Welcome, everyone, to another week of Ramban Al Parsha. Um, this has been a particularly difficult week for our yeshiva, and so we'll learn today Le'ilu Nishmos David ben Yair Schwartz and Yakir Yamin ben Yoshua Hechster, both of whom were killed in Gaza uh, two days ago. Let's also learn today is the Shloshim of Ari Yechiel ben Avram Ruvain, Ari Zenelman, another Kadosh of our yeshiva who was killed in Gaza. So let's learn Le'ilu Nishmos, all three of them, and ho hopefully the situation will change. Okay, it's a difficult week, but the Ramban is the Ramban, and amazing Ramban's on this week's Parsha, and let's do at least some of them. So the Parsha begins with Moshe Rabbeinu complaining to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him, no, it's going to work. Go tell B'nai Yisrael, you're going to take them out of Mitzrayim. And that Parsha ends with the strange Pasuk. V'lo shame'u el Moshe mikotza ruach umeavodah kasha. Not just v'lo shame'u el Moshe, but v'lo shame'u el Moshe for the following reason. Mikotza ruach, it was hard to breathe, umeavodah kasha, and it was very, very difficult work. What does this mean? So says the Ramban, it's a short Ramban, but it's very important. Mikotza ruach umeavodah kasha. It's not that B'nai Israel didn't believe Moshe Rabbeinu, or they didn't believe the Shliach Hashem, who was the same of Moshe Rabbeinu. They did believe. Rather, Rak Shalohitu Ozen Lidvarav Mikotza Ruach Ke Adam Shetikzar Nafsho Ba'amalo. It's a moment where it's not that they didn't believe him, they believed him, but it didn't matter. They were under such pressure. They were, they were so overwhelmed by the work, they couldn't focus on it. Right? You have a moment in your life where the pain seems so great. Somebody tells you, yeah, but in 48 hours, it's all going to be over. And you say, I can't make it another 48 hours. This is too painful for me. I, I give up right now. Okay, and they were scared that Par would kill him with a sword. That's just the pressure of the work. Right? They didn't get a chance to think. They didn't get a chance to reflect. Obviously, the rational feeling is that, okay, if it's going to be over in 24 hours or 48 hours or a week or whatever it is, you know, I can make it that long. But when you don't have any privacy, and here again, I, I go back to Viktor Frankl. I know I mentioned him last week and the Holocaust and being in Auschwitz. And he said, you know, there's no privacy. There's no time to reflect, right? There's no ability to think rationally. And when you don't have those, you just give up. Right? He, he tells a story when he, when, he, when he was liberated. The first day he went out into the field and he yelled out to Pasuk, because he just spent all this time you know, surrounded by people literally without any privacy, without any time to reflect. And then he gets out to a field and you know, God is answering him in the expanses of Shamaim. I feel like you see a bit of that in this Ramban. The Ramban is saying they believed Moshe Rabbeinu and yet it didn't matter. They believed that God would redeem them, but their pain and the pressure of being slaves was so great at that moment 
that they were unable to reflect on the fact, they were unable to, to assimilate the fact that Moshe was telling them that they were going to be saved. Again, they just felt this enormous pressure and it was too much for them. And they were willing to just give up as opposed to being saved at the end of some period of time. Rationally, made no sense. But emotionally, it makes complete sense. As we all know, sometimes the pressure gets to you and it's simply too much. Okay, now we come to a pasuk that matters not in the context of the story of the parsha, not necessarily for Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, but it is the most popular pasuk in the Torah. It appears more than 70 times. I didn't do a computer search, but it appears many, many times. And that is, of course, the pasuk of Vaidaber Hashem El Moshe Lemor. And we ought to know what that pasuk means, given that it's the most popular pasuk in the Torah. So Esther Ramban, what is the Lemor? Vaidaber Hashem El Moshe, I understand. Hashem spoke to Moshe. Lemor, saying. What does that mean? So Ramban first quotes Rashi, and most Mepharshim, and I think most of us. Amruha Mepharshim, ki milat leimor b'chol ha-Torah, leimor li-Yisrael. Right? HaKadosh Baruch appeared to Moshe, and he told him, tell the following things, leimor to b'nei Yisrael. Vahatam, sheyomar Hashem le-Moshe emor li-Yisrael dvarei eile, Uvikan leimor el paro. Right, so usually it's tell B'nai Yisrael. In this case, it's tell Paro. Vak, now, okay, that's the basic pshat. I think most of us have known that growing up, and most of us rely on that pshat. But listen to the Ramban. Vahakatuv shomar emesh. Emesh omar elai lemor. Enenu ba'al nachom b'feirush The story at the end of Bracious, or the middle of Bracious, where God appears to Lavan at night, and he tells him, he's Shamer, mi Daber, mi Yaakov, mi Tova, Adra. Right? So when Lavan tells over that story, he says, Vashem amai, lai emesh lemor, etc., etc. So it says the Raman, lemor there doesn't mean it, doesn't make any sense if it means to repeat it over. V'chein b'mikomot rabot she'yichpo. In many, many places, it doesn't make any sense. Because it's just a repetition. Well, if you're going to say why do you need Similarly, right? When Moshe, when, when in Bamidbar, when Bnei Yisrael complained to Moshe and Aaron, and it says, Vayomru, I'm sorry, Vayomru Bnei Yisrael and Moshe Lemor, right? Hein gavanu avadnu kulonu avadnu. Says the Raman, it doesn't make sense that that means they told Moshe saying, because they just said it. Or, Vayomar lechem ba'etahi lemor. Ukiyotza ba'elu rabim. He says, there are many, many examples from which this pshat of to tell over what God said doesn't doesn't apply. So even in this pasuk, the first time it appears in the Torah, it doesn't make any sense because he specifically commands them to tell Paro afterwards what he said. It doesn't appear that lemor means to tell others. 
Now says the Ramban, and it's amazing. Va'anachon be'enai, ki milat le'mor, lehorot al be'rur ha'inyan b'chol makom. The word le'mor means that God did not appear to Moshe in a vision. And it wasn't something that Moshe Rabbeinu had to sort out on his own. God appeared to Moshe le'mor, giving him the nevuah specifically, precisely, in words. Vayidaber Hashem Moshe be'amira gimura. Right? Moshe's sense of self, in the, Moshe's sense of prophecy, must have grown greatly, you know, since the snap. It's not a vision. It's to tell B'nai Israel precisely what I'm telling you now. Lo amira misupeket v'lo berem as davar. It's not maybe this or likely this or a hint at this, right? It's not the visions that we find all over Tanakh, or, I'm sorry, all over Nach, right? God doesn't appear to Yeshayahu Lemor. He doesn't appear to Yechezkel Lemor. He doesn't appear to Yirmiyahu Lemor. They had visions, and those visions were, were real, they were authentic, but they had to be interpreted. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have to be interpreted. HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to him and told him precisely the words that he had to tell others. V'lekach, Yatmid Torah. Therefore, this pasuk comes up all the time in the Torah. Ki nevuat Moshe pe el pe yidaber bo Right? He tells him, he speaks to him pe el pe, whatever that means for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do. But the message was absolutely clear. V'lachain, now what's the best proof to this? The best proof to this is the story of Lavan and Yaakov. V'lavan amar kein li Yaakov. Lavan said this to Yaakov. Emesh Omar Hashem Eli Lemor, Ba'amira Birura Shelo Azik Lachem. Right? Ya- Lavan planned to hurt Yaakov and maybe his children as well. Right? He chased after them. He caught them. Yesh Le'el Yadi La'asoti Machem Ra. Ve'lohe Avichem Emesh Omar Eli Lemor, He Shomer Ledaber Yaakov Mitova Adra. Says Lavan, I wanted to hurt you, but God appeared to me. Now, if Lavan could have reinterpreted or misinterpreted the vision of God appearing to him, he would have, but he said, I have no choice. God didn't just appear to me, he appeared to me, lay more. He appeared to me with an absolute clarity, which, is what, which was necessary because otherwise I would have done something bad to you. But God appeared to me and he said, do not do anything wrong to Yaakov and his children. And I have no choice but to listen. The word lemor in the Nevuah, says the Ramban, proves the point. It's that God communicated as clearly as I'm talking to you now. When Bnei Yisrael came to complain to Moshe and Aaron, they complained with an absolute clarity of their message. The words were clear. The message was clear. The circumstances were clear. That's what Lemor means. Shahayu omrim lahem kein b'feirush v'tzo'akim lahem b'gilui panim ki hamakor libirur ha'inyan pa'amukdam pa'amukhar k'mo omrim amor limnatsai. Okay. Um, the circumstances where the word Lemor comes up can sometimes be before, can sometimes be afterwards because it's a modifier. But the fact of the matter is, says the Ramban, 
The word lemor doesn't mean to repeat to others. The word lemor means that the vision and the message were absolutely clear. And that's why the puzzle comes up so often in the Torah. Vayidara Hashem Moshe lemor doesn't mean to tell other people. Vayidara Hashem Moshe lemor means Moshe received the vision God communicated absolutely clearly to him. And yes, most of those were then communicated on. But that's not what Lemur means. Lemur means that the original communication was done absolutely clearly, the way Moshe Rabbeinu got the Nevuah, and not the way anybody else got Nevuahs, unless the circumstances required it. Okay, now, let's go to what I think is the most important Ramban on this week's Parsha, because it goes to the Ikre Amuna, and it goes to something that's fundamental to our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that is Bechira Chavshis. Okay? In Perek Zion, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to send you to Paro, you and Aaron, and you're going to do the Makos. Va'ani akshe et lev paro, I will harden Paro's heart, v'hir beitiet ototai v'et moftai ba'eret Yisraim, and I will therefore be able to do m- numerous and multiple miracles and signs in Eretz Mitzrayim. Okay, so as he often does, first the Ramban's going to quote a medrash, which sort of supports what he's going to say, but he sort of just puts it out there. Amru medrash rabba, gilalo shehu atid lechazek et libo, God told Moshe that he's going to strengthen Paro's heart in order to punish him. Why? Because right? Paro really made life miserable for the Jews. Again in the Medrash, This allows scoffers to ask. Paro didn't have free will. He couldn't do tshuva. Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, ye sasein p'hem shalminim, literally, they should shut up. Ela imlan leitzim hu yalitz. If they want to be scoffers, they want to be silly, they can. But the truth is, masrebo pam rishana ushneo shlishit veino chozerbo, vu noelbo delet min hatshuva, kidei liframi menu mashechata. The truth is, he had an opportunity, he didn't take it, therefore, God closed the doors to tshuva to Paro. Okay. All this by way of introduction to get to the real point. Oh, sorry, end of the matter. Kach paro harasha, kevan sheshigea kadosh barchu etzlo chamesh pamim, vlo ishgeach al dvarav, omar lo akadosh barchu, atahik sheisat arpecha vichpartat libcha, you yourself strengthened your own heart against me, hareni mosif lcha tuma al tuma secha. Now I'm going to take away your free will, and you're gonna, it's going to be worse for you. Okay, what's going on? Says the Ramban, And as I've pointed out before, I think the Ramban's Lashon is very meduyak. When he says, He means it in two ways. He means, this is a famous question. The Ibn Ezra dealt with it. The Rambam dealt with it. Rashi hints at it. But I think he means, that we're supposed to ask this question. If we're reading Psukim carefully and we care deeply about our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the question should be, Im Hashem hiksha et libo, if God took away his free will, the Ramban understands hiksha et libo, strengthened his heart, means he had no free will, ma pisho. 
right? That's a fundamental question. The Ramban believes that everything we do in our relationship with our Kaddish Baruch Hu is based on Bechir HaChavshis, right? onesh. How could God reward and punish us if we don't have free will? So the Ramban, more than others, is a big believer in free will. Of course we have free will. But the Pasuk seems to imply otherwise. The Pasuk seems to imply that God suspended Paro's free will. Says the Ramban, I have two answers, says the Ramban, and they're both true. Just as an aside, in the Ramban, there are multiple levels of truth. And it's often the case that the Ramban will give us two or three answers without, if you read carefully, sometimes you can guess which is the one he really believes in. But here he says, They're both true. The sense you get is that the Ramban thinks either one, even though they're not 100% consistent, either one might be the answer. Okay, what's the first answer? Ha'echad. Ki paro birisho asher Yisrael ra'ot gidolot chinam. Paro was an evil person. And he did really bad things to the Jewish people and really bad things that he didn't have to do. Nitchayev limnoa mimenu darkei teshuva. The punishment for Paro's level of evil was the suspension of his free will. The Ramban says, there are many examples of this in the Torah, and there really are. Right? He, his free will was suspended. He's just not as big a person in, in the Torah as, as Paro is. The Ramam agrees with this also, and here's how, here's how I understand it. The theory would be, you know, there's a level of evil in the world, right? At, let's say evil goes from zero, you're the greatest person ever, to 100, you're Dr. Evil, whatever it is. So says the Ramban, I don't know what the number is, when you get above 90 on the evil scale, your free will is suspended. You can no longer do tshuva. Now, the Ramban points out the obvious, if God suspends your Bechir Chavshis, he has to suspend Schar Onesh. So if you get your Bechir Chavshis suspended at 90, God forbid, and let's say because it's suspended, you then go to 100, says Rahman, you won't be punished for the evil that you went from 90 to 100 because you had no choice. But the evil that got you to 90, that you'll be punished for. Now, I can't see you, but I, I, I could feel that a number of you are thinking, that's not fair. You know, don't we learn that right, you're about to die, you can always do tshuva, and these are lovely, and overwhelmingly, these are true. But think about the other side, you know. You get to Olam Haba, and your roommate is Yasser Arafat, Yamach Shemo. Turns out, he did tshuva the last day, the last hour of his life, he did tshuva. I don't know how you'd feel. I wouldn't feel that great about it. The Ramban says, you don't have to worry about that. Because if a person does evil his whole life, if he's the worst person in the world, part of what God does to him is suspend his ability to do tshuva. Hitler in the bunker with Eva Braun. He can't do tshuva. God won't let him do tshuva. When you're that bad, that's part of the punishment, right? Part of your punishment from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, aside from the terrible punishments you'll get, is that you can't do tshuva. Now, you could argue it's a natural thing, 
that when you pass 90, it just it's inconceivable you'll do tshuva because you're such a bad person. Or it could be that God literally suspends the tshuva, the ability to do tshuva. It sounds that way in the psukim, even though I'm not 100% convinced. Okay, that's the first shot of the Ramban. Vatam hasheni, second answer. Ki hayu makot alav Rashi mentions this also. The first five makos, God didn't suspend Paro's free will. Ki lo ne'emar bohem rak vayechazak lev Paro, or vayachbeid Paro at libo. Paro did it himself. It's a fantastic diuk. When you look in the psukim, the first five, the lashon is, Paro did it himself. He ne lo shalcham. Now, what happened? Lo ratzol shalcham lichvod Hashem. He didn't want to do it because HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked him to do it. Aval, ka'asher gavra makot alav but as the makos became more powerful and he had to, he had to, you know, basically suffer them, rach libo, so his heart became softer. Vayal nimlach l'shalcham mikoved ha-makot. And because he wanted the makos to stop, he was willing to send them. But lo la'asot ritzon boro. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to acknowledge HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that he was giving in to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Pyre wasn't doing that. He just wanted to get rid of the Jews. Va'az hiksha Hashem et rucho livavo l'man saper shemi b'chol Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu intervened. So in the second answer, Pyre had free will for five, for five possibilities. Right, the first five makos, he had free will. When he chose not to do that, then, but it, through six through ten, he was willing to send the Jews. But it wasn't because of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It wasn't because Paro did tshuva. It's because he just wanted to get rid of the makos. Says Hakadosh Baruch Hu, No, I want you to send them for my purposes. And therefore, right? Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants to be seen as great through Paro le'inei goyim rabim. Wait, so then why did he tell Moshe in advance that this was going to happen? He's telling Moshe because he knows this is what's going to happen, but it's not me doing it. Until Maka 6, it's not me doing it, it's power doing it. Right? He knew. Okay, so that's the answer. The second answer is that Paro had free will for the first five makos. When he didn't take advantage of them, in fact, God suspended his free will. This, that's the explanation for I'm going to harden Paro's heart. Gam bitfiat hayam, similarly at Yamsuf, Naamar Vayechazek Hashem. Ki lev melech biyad Hashem al kolashe yachpot yatena. Because God controls kings and everyone else. Here the Ramban is hinting at something, a really significant point that he'll say more explicitly in Parshas Bishalach. Right? In Parshas Bishalach, the Torah tells us that God brought Ruach Kadim Azak Kalalala Vayasamet Hayam Lacharava. Right? It explains to us how the miracle of Mitzrayim was done. Why would it do that? So the Ramban says, and here you have to rethink the whole thing. 
It's not that Paro, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu really suspended Paro's free will. It's that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Paro super free will. I, I got this from Rav Meidan in his Sefer. He has his piece about it. Normally, if God brings Makos to us, we would recognize that it's God and we would give in. No matter how evil we were, just make it stop. It's irrational to fight it. So what does God do to figure things out for real? God brings Makos, but at the same time, God gives you the ability to reject the facts as any rational person would have seen them. All of Mitzrayim is telling Paro, we've lost. right? We're finished. No. Paro holds out. It's irrational. It doesn't make any sense. And yet he holds out. Says the Ramban, that's not suspending Paro's free will. That's giving Paro super free will. That's giving Paro the ability, to, notwithstanding all the facts, to stand up to HaKadosh Baruch. Okay, so that's a really, really important Ramban. The question being, how could HaKadosh Baruch have suspended Paro's free will? The answer is being, he didn't really suspend his free will. Well, the first answer being, he did suspend his free will, but that was the punishment for being super evil. The second answer is he didn't really suspend his free will. He gave him free will for five makos. The last ones, he gave him super free will. He gave him, he was machbid at libo to allow him to act irrationally and to not see that everything that was going on in Mitzrayim was Yad Hashem. Okay, related to this point, is the next Ramban. The Torah says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends Moshe to the Yor to meet Paro for the first Makkah. What does that mean? So first the Ramban says, This is the beginning of the real Makos. They're not signs, they're Makos. Now he's going to really start the Makos. Right? His nature is going to make it worse. He's going to bring upon himself more punishments because he hasn't listened to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now the Ramban wants to understand. One of the strange things about Yitzhiyas and Sraim and the whole Yitzhiyas and Sraim is that Moshe seems like the world's worst negotiator. Right? Paro tells him, okay, fine, I changed my mind. And Moshe doesn't wait for a sign. He doesn't ask for any of the hostages to get out. He just stops the Makkah. And we, the readers, we, we think to ourselves, what's wrong with Moshe? Just tell Paro, okay, all the Makos are going to stay until we're out of Mitzrayim, and then we'll let them go. Then I'll daven for you. But he doesn't do that. So the Ramban imagines something that I think we wouldn't otherwise see. And this will be the last point we make today. Right? Paro doesn't reject God. And he doesn't say to Moshe, no. When Moshe comes originally, Paro rejects God. But after that, he doesn't reject God. He doesn't yell at them. Rak shomea divrehem take. Says the Ramban, when you read the Psukim carefully, Paro doesn't really take a stand on God, on all the issues they're discussing it. 
Why? Says, says the Ramban, Par was afraid. He saw really cool miracles and he was worried. It's true, at the beginning he tries to get the Khartoumim you know, the magicians of Egypt, to match Moshe's skills. When the Chartumim can do it, Paro's belief becomes strengthened. When the Chartumim can't do it, can't do it, Paro's belief starts to weaken. But either way, says the Ramon, from the beginning, Paro basically recognized or was open to the possibility that HaKadosh Baruch was doing this to him. And therefore, he had to strengthen his own heart, sort of, you know, I can hold out, I can hold out, I can hold out, because he didn't want to give in. But that's where it starts. So says the Ramban, basically, Paro didn't reject. You know, if he had said to Moshe, I'm not sending you, get lost. So maybe the negotiations would have been differently, would have gone differently. But the Ramban says Paro was pretty passive. He listened quietly. He didn't really react, except for the few psukim in which he does. And therefore, I would add to the Ramban, I think Moshe Rabbeinu gave him more leeway because the sense was, you know, maybe he's going to give in. We, and this is the last point I'll make, we recognize there's going to be 10 makos. And it's going to be a long slog. But maybe Moshe didn't know it would be 10. Moshe, maybe each time Moshe thought, this is it. It's a little hard to know, and some, in some of the cases, it's hard to imagine, right? But in some of the cases, it's not. Okay, so we did a bunch of Rambans today. The main ones were, What does that Pasuk mean? It says the Ramban, it means that God spoke clearly. The message was delivered clearly. And the second one about Bechira Chavshis, how could God have suspended Paro's Bechira Chavshis? That we saw two answers and the whole discussion of the role of Bechira Chavshis and the role of Scharva Onesh. I'll just add that again, as I mentioned then, if God suspends your Bechir Chavshis, if that's what happened, God has to suspend Scharva Onesh. And he can only punish you for the evil you did up to then and not after. Okay, Yashkoch to everybody. Have a great week and a great Shabbos, and I'll see you next week. Cheers.